0: This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A U D I B L E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast.
1: You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, your go-to source for connecting with small businesses and entrepreneurs in the East Valley. Get ready to be inspired by local entrepreneurs as they share their stories, mindset, best tips, and
0: advice. And now, your co-hosts, Dallin and Eric Huso. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Brian Webb of Phoenix on Roasters. How's hey, it going, hello. Brian?
1: It's going great. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no, super excited to have you on. Um, take a few minutes before we jump into the business and uh, give us a little background on your life.
1: Yeah, no, um, I've been cooking professionally for about 20 years. I'm originally from Northern California. I moved out here in uh, about 2001 to attend culinary school planning on moving back to the Bay Area after I graduated school and that that was 20 years ago so now I'm really established in Phoenix and really enjoy Arizona
0: nice so got out to the heat and never looked back yeah I don't know if I enjoyed the heat
1: but (laughs) (laughs) everything else
0: so you've always uh had had your mindset on on going to culinary school and being a chef or how did that come about
1: well i was actually selling stereo equipment when i was like 19 years old making a pretty decent amount of money for a 19 year old at that time i just wasn't getting the gratification from what i was doing there was really nothing i wanted to um continue doing and then i got fired and i didn't have a choice to continue doing it and it kind of made me think you know it's kind of a turning point of where i wanted to go and i always cooked for myself at, at home and had barbecues and friends over. So I originally um, wanted to go to Kolder school and open up a deli. That was the kind of the original game plan. I also had worked at a deli and then that kind of turned into what we're doing now.
2: So it's amazing how many businesses start from somebody losing their job and that, you know, that awful moment. I'm sure you're probably devastated at the time. Take us back to that moment where uh, you did lose your job and what your mindset was and and kind of the thought processes you went through going through the ups and downs of those emotions and feelings and how yeah. you're able to clear that emotion to get the clarity to say, hey, this is my path forward now.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of funny because it happened twice. <laughs> it's been twice in my life where I got fired at pivotal points that really benefited me. Another point was when my wife was five months pregnant and we had to offer on a house. So um, when stuff happens, it's when you have those challenges, it's really what, what are you going to do? you going to sit home and cry? Or are you, you going to take the opportunity to do something? The second time, um, I met my wife. We got married in 2008, and we had plans on opening up a Filipino-style business. We just She was pregnant. We had put an offering on a house. So the time wasn't really right. And we were planning, the, the game plan was going to be like a year down the road, maybe two years down the road, maybe three, maybe not at all, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then someday, I, yeah, someday, someday yeah. You, you know, it's like, I, I was determined, but my wife's pregnant, we, we have an offering on a house, you know, so we had to take care of that first. And then I got fired. And within 15 days, we were in the Philippines doing research on the food. And now we didn't have time to start the business because now it's like we can't get the house now because I'm not employed and I'm burned out. You know, it wasn't the best job and I just got fired. I'm kind of beaten down a little bit. So now I was in a rush to start the business. Now it's the opportunity. So I really had to jump on it. And that was the first business which was which was a Hey Joe Filipino food truck, and we ran that for about four four years in town.
2: That's cool. That's
0: cool. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot lot we can dive into there. Um, my first question is where where did the
1: idea come from to start a Filipino style uh, business? Yeah, my uh, wife is originally from Cebu, Philippines, or Lapu okay. uh, Lapu City, right across from Cebu, and I met her here at the time I was working at a. Pacific Rim restaurant in a hotel. At that time Pacific Rim was kind of like the big deal in town. We had five menus, foie gras, like 20 kinds of bourguignon sauces and, and but so we did a lot of different Asian food in Pacific Rim. You know, we you you pull from Korean, you pull from Thai, you pull from Vietnamese food. You don't pull from Filipino food. Not a single Filipino ingredient was in that kitchen. And then I met her and then I became a head chef at a sushi restaurant. I worked worked under Han Lee, a very talented chef. I was in charge of the kitchen and it was more of a higher end sushi restaurant. And then um, we flew over, my wife Marjita and I flew over to our hometown for our wedding. And the flavors had just something I never experienced in my life. It was just a complete culinary awakening. Mm. and, and I've had some Filipino food here but when it's prepared the way it's supposed to be prepared with the right ingredients and with the love and labor that's put into it and, you know in the Philippines it's a lot easier to put labor into the food mm. as the labor is a lot cheaper do you know so uh, the food can be more laborist and sometimes um, it's hard to duplicate that here
0: Kind of like when you go to Taco Bell or Del Taco and expect some authentic Mexican food. Right.
1: (laughs) And it's a place for everything. I mean, that's why Taco Bell. I'm not going to really tell you guys my first culinary job, but Taco Bell has its place. (laughs) Right, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, I love
0: your stories of of getting fired and how these huge what could be looked at as negative moments ended up being super positive things and, and changing your life. And obviously looking back, you can see how good of a thing that was but I'm sure in the moment especially the first time around it it wasn't that easy to go through in the moment what I'm wondering is that second time around when when that happened did you have a better perspective because of that first time when you were younger being fired or was it still you know just as hard to go through it and being you in know to be
1: honest it was oh, it was kind of a relief it was kind of like the unresponsible choice would be to start the business and that's the choice I wanted to do <laughs> But that wasn't the right choice, and I picked the right choice. So now when the unresponsible choice was presented to me, let's do it. Let's let's jump right on top of it, you know, because now the responsible choice has been taken off. So now like I've already lost that opportunity. So now by doing the business, I'm not losing the opportunity of getting the house, which is the responsible choice, you know.
0: Were there any other factors that were, before losing the house, that were kind of holding you back from starting the business? Had you, because you said it was, you know, in a sense irresponsible, had you like ran some numbers and you weren't sure about the profit? Or were you just kind of nervous about, you know, the idea of, of going in all all on your own? What were, what were some of the things going through your head that were kind of stopping you from moving forward?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of the unknown. Can I do it? You know, a little bit of self-doubt. Yeah. And we're cooking Filipino food. We're not cooking hamburgers out of a truck. It's also like, it, it's this going to be a proven concept? But I, I went into it more of a passion project as opposed to a business. You know, I, I, I went into it more as if this fails, I, I can get a job in the kitchen and provide for my family. Mm-hmm. So at the end, I, I, I had a plan in case I didn't make it. At the end of the day, the most important jobs provide for your family. And at that time, I mean, it's a little different now. But at that time, if you were a cook, you could get a job anywhere Mm -hmm. or you can always be employed. So I knew that even if this business totally failed, then that was a food truck. Then I could fall back on something on on my craft and still be able to make money.
2: So talk to us about the decision to open the food truck as opposed to a brick and mortar restaurant. And. And how that was uh, the right thing to do for yeah. you at the time.
1: So we're, we're we're not a restaurant right now. We're a catering company. We mm-hmm. work out of a shared kitchen, and we do um, um, different pop ups and stuff. But the, with the food truck, you know, it was kind of a beat down too. A food trucks really hard. It is a lot harder than working in the kitchen. A uh, food truck is like dog years. One year in a food truck and seven years in the kitchen. It is a, <laughs> have, it is a beat down. It is not easy. And I was beat down. I, I started to get, and, and I hit a glass ceiling to where like, I didn't see the business was going to expand anymore. And my plan was always to be in the food truck four years. And kind of, it, it was a limitation with what the food I wanted to do because, you know, it's a small space. And, and I was kind of burned down, so we stopped doing it. And then I always, um, I became a chef at different restaurants and I always had a Filipino special on the menu, whether the owner knew about it. And sometimes it was only special if I was working. And um, I was working at a ramen shop and this is how the Phoenix Lechon Roasters came about. I was working at the Restaurant and I convinced my wife to let me buy a charcoal rotisserie grill I'm the type of husband where you could tell me no like ten times and the second you tell me yes, I'm on the phone Credit card is paid. <laughs> so, um, well, at least you wait for yes. That yeah, is, yeah, that's yeah. better than some. <laughs> no, no, no. I just need the yes. And I'm a smart man and I react quick before yeah, really, they change their mind. Right? So yeah, really quick. Some
2: ask for forgiveness though, yeah. rather than permission. So you're, you're at least one yeah, step ahead.
1: We, we just celebrated our 12th year anniversary. So. <laughs> uh, so I found a charcoal rotisserie grill for fun. To really cook chickens and cook some pigs at home for the family. You know, I always continue cooking Filipino food at home. And I was working at a ramen shop and we, I talked to an owner and he was down to do a pig roast one day at the ramen shop. So we picked a Wednesday in March. Um, it was 2019. And about 10 people had already said they were coming. And then I realized it was on Ash Wednesday, which is a big Catholic holiday, of course. And a lot of filipinos being a large catholic country don't eat pork on ash wednesday <laughs> so i felt like pretty dumb about doing that and not realizing what had happened but the ball was rolling and some people had already planned on coming so i couldn't stop it and we sold out of a 50 pound pig in 15 minutes that day it was insane wow. and at that point my my ultra, my entrepreneur spirit before that was gone I had no plans after doing the food truck, hitting the glass ceiling with that business. Maybe I had caused that glass ceiling to, you know, looking back, that's definitely a possibility. But my entrepreneur spirit was done with. I had no plans on going into business for myself. I was really happy collecting that, that steady paycheck. But when we sold out that pig in 15 minutes, I knew I had something. And that's, that spirit got lit, like 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 with a bomb. It blew up in me and it was the worst thing that ever happened because I knew right then I was going to quit that job. And I was very happy there. And I wanted to give the job one more year because I wanted to be there a total of three years. And um, we had a plan of flying to the Philippines and I was going to originally open the Lechon place in the Philippines and kind of like cut my chops over there for a couple weeks, come back, work at the ramen shop for another eight months quit start the business well my wife and family were on an airplane landing in cebu at the exact time i got into a motorcycle accident and broke my knee and i got laid out i was unable to walk for about two months and i i was completely beaten down like i i I didn't know if i was going to be able to work in a kitchen again you know so now like i'm not even thinking it's not even thinking about the business I'm thinking about surviving you know I was kind of my wife and kids are in the Philippines and they had some personal tragedy her her mom passed away at that time too and her dad had passed away a year before so I couldn't ask him to come back early so I spent a month with my friends and my family kind of helping me out but not with my wife and kids and um you know it it was depressing a lot of isolation and stuff but then at the same time, now it it, it changed me because then when my wife came back and my kids, I was unable to work, you know, I was unable to walk. And um, I I never spent that much time with my family. Being a chef, you work 70, 80, 90 hours a week, you know, and, and you wear that on your chest as a pride. And maybe a lot of entrepreneurs do that. You know, I work this many hours. Yeah. And then after I I, I spent that time with my family, I kind of realized that that that's not what it's all about. You know, and that my my first role is being a dad and being a husband, not being a chef, not being an entrepreneur. But I still had this, the the lechon that I knew was going to be huge. So I, I went back to work in the ramen shop in a wheelchair, kind of like delivering like four hours a week, trying to rehabilitate myself. But I, I was over it, just totally over it. And I ended up quitting and then it breaking my knee, just like losing my job, sped up the process of starting the business. Cause now it's like, I got to do something. It's like, I can hardly walk. I, I, I don't know how am I going to go work for somebody? Do you know? So I started to get the ball rolling. I, I ended up taking a job in a country club, but then the, then I did the business. And it was kind of a re, re, personal re, rehabilitation for myself. Here, here I am coming off of her broken leg, picking up 50 pound pigs. And it, it was hard, really hard in the beginning, I mean, I mean, it was, it, it's still a little bit hard with the knee, but in the beginning, it was like really hard.
2: Tough, tough. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: but it, it, in life, it's those times when you get beaten down the most. That is when you got to find the reason why you got beaten down. You know, there's a, there's a good reason why. There's a positive reason. In any negative situation that happens in your life, you got to be able to figure out. How to turn it around and pull out the positivity out of it so breaking my knee i was like i i don't need to give this guy three years you know i mean i i quit he fired me when i was in the hospital you know so i don't owe him nothing now so so now i don't have to give him that extra eight months that i wanted to because he fired me it doesn't matter my knees broken but i mean i couldn't work so that's obviously why but but it took out that that loyalty that had kind of got taken out. So it was more like F everybody. Now, now it's time for me to do it for myself. Yeah. I, I don't need to put my dreams on hold because I think I owe somebody else something that, you know, when the relationship, when, when my value goes out, then the relationship ends. Well, take care of yourself and do it for yourself.
2: So obviously, uh, there's a lot of people out there that wear that badge of honor, working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. They feel out of alignment. Yeah. Right? That, uh, you know, they're, what they say they value, you know, those loved relationships uh, aren't getting the time necessary to be nurtured. Uh, without having to break your knee <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to recognize that, any advice you'd give to somebody in a similar boat that's just out there busting their tail and uh, they're just feeling out of alignment with with what they really value
1: yeah it's it's find a way to turn it off just just for a tiny bit if you can you know it's really hard i mean it's easy to say that i i i I work in my sleep my wife tells me i call out tickets in my sleep (laughs) I, i mean So sometimes, you know, I'm yelling, hey, hey, we need a pork belly. My wife's like, shut up, you're in bed. (laughs) So, I mean, it's tough to turn it off, but I think, like, the stress. I I mean, I I had a bad day the other week where uh, I was a little bit late on a pretty big party, and it was really stressful. But when you prioritize yourself, and you realize at the end of the day, you know, I'm cooking food. It's not, I'm not a doctor. It's not even though I take great pride in what I do at the end of the day, you know, my, my main priority is my family. And then that helps me succeed more in business because it kind of takes the stress a little bit off of it, you know, as opposed to, oh, no, I'm 90 hours. This is me. This is who I am. You know, it's part of me, but it's not who I am. Hmm. You know, I was talking to somebody at the end of the day, when I die, it's not going to say lead on roaster on my grave. <laughs> you know, it's going to say father and it's going to say husband. Not gonna mention Phoenix Letch on rosters.
2: And there's always, you know, there's always more you can do. You're even calling out orders in your sleep, which is hilarious. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I,
1: I, I, I did that in the food truck, and then when I went, didn't have my own business, I, that was good. <laughs> and then started up again. I'm, I'm not proud of it.
2: So how do you keep yourself in check now? Because the path of uh, least resistance is to work more, right? And and there's always more work to do. There's always something to do when you own your own business. So uh, do you have any things in place to check yourself to make sure that uh, you're providing proper time to the business and proper time to the family?
1: You know, I'm kind of a yes, but in an unorganized, chaotic way. Just like internally in my brain. I'm not really like one to like write a list you know, my, I, I never put the to-do list on my to-do list, so it never really gets done. <laughs> but I, I keep it all internally. But like, like today, I had a little bit of free time, so I took my son to the park. I have a four-year-old son, and he had a great time. And it, 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 it is hard. I have a 10-year-old son, too. And, you know, I try to explain to him I'm working and we just had a conversation today about it where he feels like i don't give him enough attention when i work and i to be honest i really there's no playbook on how to balance that out Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to balance it out and i don't know how to really but try to give try to control the business and not let the business control me and we're kind of in a fortunate position to where, you know, we're a super small business. It's pretty much me, and I have a few, and my wife, and I have a few people that help me out. But the majority of the time, it's myself cooking all the food, or if we're doing like a pickup, it's really just kind of by myself. Especially with everything, the pandemic and everything, and having to kind of hunker down, but. We're in a position where the de- we're not, we have more demand that we can keep up with right now. So as opposed to trying to do every single order that comes in, you know, I, I, I tell people no. I don't want to tell people no. But at the same time, I know if I work an 18, 19 hour day and then the very next day I'm supposed to roast somebody a pig, I'm not going to do that great of a job. And my business is going to suffer in the long run so i try to keep the business level to where i can handle it and then i'm hiring people and trying to let it grow organically without it being like a monster mm-hmm. you know and it's so hard to keep the business from turning into a monster All right and then you become to hate the business and then it suffers you know you, you become you start to we we have a lot of interaction with customers and you know, you start to hate the customers, you know, <laughs> oh, is this, and and at that point, you're doomed. Yeah. You know, once that becomes your mindset that the customers are, you know, I just had a customer apologize apologized to me the other day. I'm like, don't apologize to me. You're giving me money. That's, that, that's not how this relationship <laughs> works out. Never apologize to give me money, you know? Because, I mean, I, I'm grateful for every single customer we have. And, and, and you have to, to keep that mentality... And keep your head above the water because everybody gets stressed. And if you pass that on, you know, whether it's to your family and stuff. So I'm kind of going off. But to keep the balance, it's a difficult process. Yeah, Yeah,
2: it is. So you're actually in the state of hiring people right now, bringing people on to grow the business a little bit so that you can meet this uh, demand that you're currently facing.
1: We're trying. you know, one thing, Have. You know that's changed to me. Um, it, it's tough to work during the summer. I always cook the pig on site, and it's really hot. And I got to the point where even if I can make money, I don't want to work to the point where I'm about to pass out and throw up. You know, I don't want to. I'm. I, I don't want to take years off of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that actually happened. The Fourth of July, we had a super busy service, one of my busiest service I've ever had, including in the food truck. Served 150 plates in about an hour and a half to two hours. Extremely busy. And I, I almost passed out in the middle of the rush. I walked in the bathroom, washed my face. My cashier got sick at the end. She powered through. And before in the food truck, it's like, yeah, man, I almost passed out. And now it's like, I'm, I, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm, I, I'm not. And, and it goes back to, I'm a father first. I have to do what's right right as a father and you know so now that it's cooling down now we have more and more stops lined up now it's kind of let's turn on let's turn the switch on the business i've, I've been fortunate because i've been focusing a lot on the catering aspect so which i could do in the kitchen i mean don't get me wrong at the end of the day if i have to go out and cook in 110 degrees i'm gonna have to go out and cook in 110 degrees you gotta provide for your family but if i'm fortunate enough to where i can survive doing the catering side and now that's cooling down, it's time to turn that light switch on. And now it's hard because you have to have the stops to get the crew, but you have to have the crew to get the stops. You know, you have to have the hours to get the workers, but the workers to be able to have those hours because I'm not ramped up to that level yet.
0: A lot of... Uh... People in general, especially entrepreneurs, kind of feel their their self worth from you know working those heavy hours and almost passing out after mm-hmm. work every day. And it sounds like you've shifted from that more to, to feeling your self worth from from your family. If that if that's yeah. correct, um, I guess what's what's the key to making that shift other than having you
1: know a life altering event that kind of forces you into it? <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I guess it would just, just be your mental health space, really, and prioritizing what your real priorities are. You know, at the end of the day, what, what, what is it going to say on your gravestone? You know, that, that's the most important part. And, and I truly think with that aspect, is allowing me to take this business further than I was able to take the food truck business. You know, I kind of touched on how I thought I hit that glass ceiling. The thing with the food truck is I worked in that business. I hardly worked on the business. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, oh yeah, I'm working. We're doing this, this, that. I'm doing it myself. I was so proud that that truck never ran in the four years. It only operated 30 minutes without me in it. And then when I worked at the ramen shop, we were talking about mentors before the show, Josh Hebert. Uh, owner of the Ramen shop even though I got fired when I broke my knee I, I learned a lot of management from him and after learning from him it it, it was stupid of me that's not a business it's it, it's not a point of pride that the business could not operate in four years for more than 30 minutes without me physically in it you know
2: yeah you owned a job <laughs> right right
1: exactly and and at that point I was happy doing that because because it was more passion and I was less of a businessman, I would say. So being able to change my mindset, you know, I want, I want to get to the point where this business can operate without me. Yeah. And then I can duplicate it and then I can duplicate it again and, and keep the quality up and then, you know, really provide for my family mm-hmm. at the end of the day. That's super interesting. So being able to focus on your family
0: allows you to to grow the business even more because it's for them and it's not just you know its own thing. It's yeah. you know, there's a, a deeper purpose behind it. It
1: it it, it kind of it, it helps you keep 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 your head space yeah. a little bit, and you know I mean I'm very passionate about what I do, but when you don't work, when you spend more. T- it, it's hard, like, when you focus working on your business, it's, it's, it's a lot less yeah, stressful.
0: For sure. Well, I love how you've taken all of these potentially negatively life-altering <laughs> yeah. events in life and turned them into such positives were you taught that growing up or do you feel like you're just kind of born with that mindset? Cause not a lot of people, you know, have that and are able to turn those events around. Nah,
1: I, I was orphaned when I was 17 years old. So it was a pretty life altering experience. And, um, it took me about 10 years to realize what positivity came out of it. And at the end of the day, it made me a stronger person. And it made me like, I don't care. Like, like, like I'm going to do what I'm going to do you know regardless if somebody doubts me everybody doubted me with this business i'm i'm the only licensed person in the fifth largest city who roasts pigs Filipino style over charcoal you, you know how many chefs doubted me like is there enough business for that like because nobody does it yeah like like what are you thinking you know so like the going through that that was completely life-alternating experience when I was 17 years old and really being able to take such a negative thing and um, a very dramatic experience to myself and, you know, realizing that it did make me a stronger person and, and it did make me be able to stand up for myself and and it did make me, when people doubt me, like, I don't care, Do you know? I've had people doubt me my, my whole life whole career whole culinary experience the first time I got my chef a chef job when I went to work for Hung Wook Lee as the head chef at the kitchen at the sushi restaurant I was working at a hotel as a saucier, not in management position and when I left the chef kind of I, I called him an asshole because he told me I had no right to take that job and I was at that place for two and a half years and Hung Wook Lee was the one that made me a chef he's the one that changed my mindset from cook to chef but if I listened to that first chef who told me I had no right to take that job, you know, I wouldn't have that mindset.
2: Yeah, you've got a fighter mindset. That's beautiful. Yeah,
1: I mean, you got to. And the culinary business is changing, which is a good thing, you know. I'm like Generation X, so I'm kind of, I came up in the old school like kitchen. My first job, I went to the chef. Hey, this guy told me to fuck off. And he's like, well, you probably deserved it. <laughs> And now it's like, let's go to HR. We can't talk like that. That's not appropriate language. <laughs> so even though I kind of came up in that old old guard, I, it, there needs to be a change in the industry to where it's not a pride that you work 80 hours a week and your car breaks down on the way because you can't afford to fix it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but, but I'm putting out the best food that's out there.
2: Yeah.
1: You know? So, and, and, and the whole change in industry... That's kind of coincided with the change myself to where it's more about yourself. Yeah. Do you know? I mean, there's a huge substance abuse problem in the industry. I mean, I've worked with many alcoholics, and because 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 that's what happens when you work to 80, 90 hours a week or 70 hours a week. And then and so now there's kind of a, a shift to where it's about like being a better person, treating people better. And and really like your personal self, Mm -hmm. which, which, you know, like I said, coincided with kind of my head change after reevaluating my um, life being stuck on a couch for two months.
0: Do you find yourself spending more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then you need to get in touch with Flamingo Pools. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools is there to take care of you. Here's a few things that makes Flamingo Pools stand out from the crowd. When you first sign up for service, they'll give you a free complimentary inspection of the pool to make sure everything is running smoothly. They'll also email you a service report with a picture attached after every visit so you know when your pool has been cleaned. They also offer a mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and get your first month of weekly maintenance free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013.
2: Let's talk a little bit about the food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so do uh, you do this thing called lechon, which is a Filipino roast pig. So, yep. uh, and from what you've said earlier, you go to the, you cook it on site. So, uh, walk us through what that's like. So, let's yeah. say that uh, we're having something at my house, and you're gonna you're gonna cook us this pig. So, let's kind of walk us through that process, so our listeners. Absolutely.
1: An idea. Well, I'm, you know, I'm gonna show up about seven hours early. And I have a portable charcoal rotisserie grill. I have two of them, actually. They're about uh, six feet long. So I have a trailer. I got the Lechon 1 wagon out front. The Lechon wagon is what I like to call my uh, Honda minivan <laughs> with the on 1 license plate on it. So I'm going to show up. We're going to start the charcoal. We always let it burn for, um, for a good hour. When you use all-natural charcoal, you got to let it all burn until it's all white. To really get the heat, I'm going to put the pig on. And we're going to roast it. It's a really big show, and then it takes about five hours to cook it. We're going to get that skin nice and crispy. And what we usually do is we present it in a traditional Filipino way, a kumayan style dinner, which kumayan means eat with your hands. So we lay banana leaves on the table, a row of rice down the middle, and I'm going to lay all the other food around the right. And then I'm going to lay all the other food around the rice. We're going to have a lot of lumpia, which is a pork egg roll. Uh, A lot of barbecue skewers from pork skewers, chicken skewers, shrimp skewers. We're going to have some noodles on there. It's all going to be piled on. And then I'm going to put the whole pig right on top. The whole pig. The whole pig right on top. Everybody's going to take a picture of it. And then I'm going to cut it. Cut it to order. So as you're coming through, I have this whole pig that I'm chopping and cutting it into pieces and, and handing it to everybody as they come through our combine style buffet and for for arizona this is really kind of a lot of people uh you know think it's exotic and i'm trying to normalize it in my wife's town there's more places to buy whole pig chopped than there are starbucks mcdonald's and burger king's put together in the valley Wow. It's, you're, you're never more than a quarter mile away or maybe an eighth a mile away from a whole roasted pig. And and it's, it's part of the culture and it's part of the everyday lifestyle. Um, my wife's town is known for the number one pig in the Philippines and in the world. So some of the affluent people from the capital of the Philippines will fly down, get a pig, put it on the airplane and fly back. Mm-hmm. So you actually have like pig service Airplane service there. <laughs> And then you come here, and it's not really known. Right. You, you know, you take a food that 9,000 miles, that's super popular. Anthony Bourdain went over there. He said it was the number one pork he's ever had. Time magazine called it the number one pork. And you come here, and there's a few places that do it well, but it's not, it's not mainstream. It's not known to the majority of the people. And, and it should be. I mean vice versa fried chicken in my wife's town is huge do you know fried chicken started here and is huge over there so why can't something that's huge over there be big over here
2: yeah. so besides the charcoal is there anything else that you do to kind of personalize the flavor of uh, your lechon
1: yeah um we prepared the Sabuano style we grow our own lemongrass we use really fresh lemongrass to put it on the inside um, we put a little bit of calamansi, which is a Filipino citrus that I grow myself too, And it's really just kind of a labor of love. Um, the recipe is my recipe. That's the thing about Filipino food is there's no real... It's not like French food. If you prepare a demi-glace, there's a Bible demi-glace recipe. You might have a variation of it, mm-hmm. but you have the, the recipe on how to make it. There's no lechon recipe. It's really how your family makes it so my my lechon recipe is a variation of all the lechon that i tried in the philippines and i kind of pick the best part of each one when i flavor it
0: hmm. what's the taste of it compared to just like you know pork that you get at the store
1: it, it's, it's it's going to be an unbelievable experience you know the first time i cooked it at hot noodles Saki, the um, phoenix new times critic chris malloy he called it uh he ranked it one of the top 10 bites of 2019. Wow. so here i here i was i served the dish one time and i'm right up next to the five-star restaurant and same article i mean i wasn't even a business at that point so the the flavor you know is a little bit fatty soft tender but every piece of that pork is going to taste a little bit different too you know the pork belly has a little bit more of the spices in it because it's that that's where all the juice is going to be in the center gotcha it's a little bit fattier your leg is going to have a little bit less fat in it and and, and you know some pieces are going to be chewed a little bit more chewy a little bit more you know tender maybe a little bit more drier
2: so when people are coming through the line, they just kind of describe what they want and you cut the piece that uh, fits no, their desire?
1: Usually, you know, I have some diehard customers. I usually cut from the center out. Most people really like the pork belly. So most of my customers, uh, usually about 20 to 20, 30 people show up before I start cutting it. So people know that it's really the first people in line get the best cut. <laughs> pro tip remember that when you're <laughs> yeah right there. first in line um it really sounds like there's an art
0: to to cooking it the right way did you learn this by going to the philippines and and watching or or helping someone do it or how did you kind of learn how to you know perfect the mm, cooking I, process
1: i learned it by messing it up by making a lot of mistakes and everything you know and my original plan was to go to the phil i mean i we did cook it in the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I cooked it at home a couple times. It's a little bit different than when you're cooking it five times a week. So I, I really had to learn, and it it was a struggle, you know. Um, I and the thing about the lechon is it's a very important. Um, it, it's it's I, I'm, it's not food. I'm not serving lunch or dinner. I'm serving the centerpiece. Right in the Filipino culture, if you have any kind of party. You have to have a lechon. on. It's really not a party. You know, I've, I've had people, I, I had somebody that ordered one from Amsterdam. They were flying into town. I had somebody from Cebu or from the Philippines order one for the family and paid for it online. And so it, it's the it's equivalent of a wedding cake or it's the equivalent of a venue for the wedding. I've had people call me and I'm sorry, I'm not available that Saturday. I am the next Saturday and they'll change the party. So there's a lot of pressure and there's been a five times i completely messed up the pig ruined ruined the pig and i had to give a full refund and i almost quit the business i mean it was i i take so much pride in what i do i put so much effort in what i do and 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 you hit roadblocks and this was a major roadblock that i hit and i didn't know how to overcome it and it's to the point where i can't i i, I lost you know, like over $2,000 I'm a small business, you know, at that time I wasn't doing $2,000 a week I, and I gave over $2,000 in refunds, you know, it's like, and I got to the point where it's like, we're not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to pay to do this. That's stupid, you know, and it's, and I, I didn't know how to overcome that block. And I just had to kind of go back to my notes. I had to reevaluate my technique. You know, as a business owner, you start to sell on easy street a little bit. And what had happened was I had diverted from the original technique. And the road I was on was only going to take me to a B performance. And a few times it was going to, like, give me an F performance. But I was never going to cook a great pig on that road. And I, I wasn't going to be able to be confident, you know. There was a wedding. I I, I messed up a pig for my own family, for my brother-in-law's um. Grandson's baptism. I mean, you talk about a heartbreaker. You show up with a bad pig, you know. So we. Is the
2: bad pig overcooked?
1: No, it's the skin. What about I am graded ninety percent on the skin. The skin has to be crispy. It has to be perfect. And the technique I did led the skin to turn into a black leather, soggy, unedible and it affected the quality of the meat. It affects the way that the meat's cooked. Mm. So instead of taking this beautiful crispy skin, I'm taking a, it looked burnt, it wasn't burnt, but it was just the way, it, it, it's the way that it cooked, that it, it turned dark and it's not presentable. So here's the, here's the wedding cake I'm taking that is like melted, you know, <laughs> that, that, that the tears are collapsed over. It, it's, it's the same equivalent. And you put that up there and it's like, no, you know? <laughs> so I, I ruined it. And being like, the, that's the name of my business, I, I had to, it, it was a major roadblock, a major roadblock. And I work in a shared kitchen. So now my, my not my coworkers, but my peers are seeing this too. You know, it's embarrassment. And I, I didn't know how to overcome it. So I went back, I looked at my notes from the ramen shop I had to reevaluate my process. I had gotten, I diverted from my process without knowing it, and I started to go down the wrong road. So I had to go back to my notes, really, really look at everything, and now I'm on the right road. So now I'm putting out A pigs, and they're they're not. I mean, of course, they don't all come out exactly how I want them to, but now, like when they come out, when I'm not happy with them, now they're better than. Before, when I was happy with them, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know. The the level has gone up.
2: And does the kind of pig that you buy make a difference? Like, do you do you source pigs from a specific breeder that uh, produces a certain do you know, texture and flavor profile? Or?
1: That was one thing I looked at when I was messing up the pigs. And is an answer, I don't completely have answered. You know, I, I use two purveyors. I... I used McReynolds Farms and I used a second purveyor. And the pigs from McReynolds Farms always come out great on me. As a chef, like you can blame their product, but that's the last thing you want to blame is the product. Mm-hmm. So I I the it was a technique issue that I was having, but I don't know if the type of pig had a correlation with it or not. So I'm only getting it from McRannell's Farms now because the technique I use works great with them. With the second purveyor, I, I it was kind of questionable.
0: Yeah, no, I was I was wondering that too. Just because, like you mentioned, it's not it's not a very common thing to cook full of pigs like this. So, is it hard in the first place to get a hold of of inventory?
1: It can be a little bit hard and um, expensive. You know, yeah. I mean, sometimes I have. You know, I have half half of what I'm doing in a week in business and in, in in inventory. You know, just it, it, you have to stock up on the pigs and keep them. You know, to make sure you can get them. Yeah, and, and that can add up for sure.
0: Um. So, do you serve and provide other food items besides the Lechon?
1: Oh yeah, we we provide a whole whole range. Okay. So, lechon kind of means two different things. Lechon means roasted, and then lechon, bad boy. Bad boy means pig. Gotcha. So, lechon, bad boy is the whole pig. But generally, if someone says we're going for lechon, they're going for the pig. That's the king of lechon. Right. Okay. Excuse me. But then we do make uh, lechon manuk, which is the whole roasted chicken. We do subuchon, which is um, rotisserie pork belly. So my, my whole bit, and we do a lot of other food too, like pond sit noodles, um, six, six, which is a crispy dish that I make from a pork head that we cook for eight hours, three different ways. We do barbecue skewers, but generally my, my main business is based off of this one piece of equipment that I have.
0: Hmm. And talk to us about your customers. Is it, you know, dominantly Filipinos that find you? Or do other people hear about it and see, you know, see it on Instagram and want to try it out for, for their own
1: party? Yeah. Do you know, I would say the Filipinos are, the, are like our, the, the bread and butter of our yeah. business. But um, it's, it, it really kind of depends. You know, one thing I learned when I first opened the food truck was I, I had an all Filipino design. And I went to an ex-military guy who designed the wrap on my food truck and he came back with like an absolute all military design, possibly racist. But I was like, hey, that's a little too much. And, but, but what he said was he wanted to appeal to the 80% of the population. So what we did was I made him tone down that like way too like, military design. And he made me tone down my way too Filipino design and kind of meant in the middle. So I really trying to market my food to 80 percent of the population, uh-huh. when we do cater and the whole place, it's predominantly Filipinos. Yeah. but then when we serve in front of, um, like a brewery, this um, it's, it's, it's a wide mix of people. Yeah.
0: And tell us a bit more about your marketing. What else do you do to kind of, you know, find your customers? I saw that you're super active on Instagram. You have TikTok. Is there something in particular that you find, you know, helps you find your customers? I don't know if you do any, you know, paid ads or if your website helps you out as well. Or
1: the, the website has been really amazing. That's gotten me way more business than I could have ever expected. When we first started, we were at food festivals. I didn't have a website and we were selling out and I was a little bit cocky and didn't think I even need a website. Mm-hmm. And then when the pandemic happened, now all of a sudden I'm trying to find these customers. We're not at the festivals. Yeah. You know, I was really lucky. I was part of the Mesa Cares Act and they um, built me a webpage through the act. And it was um, Golden Goose Digital Marketing. And that webpage has gotten me business from Panama, from Montreal, Canada, from Amsterdam. From the Philippines, it has gotten me a tremendous amount of experience and the web page, my web page, I need to update it, but it's really important because now when someone searches for Filipino food or whole pig, I'm going to come up more often because I have my web page. And when they look at the web page, it makes my business look a little bit more professional. Nice. So it sounds like you're pretty happy where you're at with business right now in
0: terms of, you know, catering. Do you have any plans of opening an actual restaurant? Is that a desire of yours or
1: do you like to keep it more mobile? Um, we, we definitely want to open up a restaurant. Okay. You know, it, it's kind of a scary thing because right now, like, if we're not open, I'm not paying rent. You know, I don't have a power bill. Right. I don't have employees. You know, we, we, I, I do have people that help me out. Yeah. You know, we have a great cashier and I don't want to give them a lot of credit. Don't get me wrong, but we don't have, I don't have somebody working, you know, 10 people working 40 hours a week mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't have nobody solely relying on me for the income. Yeah. And that's kind of a lot of pressure and, and, and that's, that's my next step in, in growth is to overcome that fear factor of, 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 having it kind of easy right now as far as like not having those hard cost pressure for sure to to once it gets to the point where like i have to open the restaurant then i'm going to yeah hopefully it doesn't take another life altering
0: event (laughs) to to force you into it yeah i don't have too many other good needs so (laughs) (laughs) um so i'm curious with that kind of based on your opinion because a lot of people when they want to start something within the food and beverage industry they don't know If they should start with a food truck or, you know, start with catering or go straight into a restaurant. Uh, So since you have, you know, experience in two of the three and and looking at the third already, what's kind of your opinion on, is there like, in your opinion, is there a best route to go or does it kind of depend on the person or or on what they're
1: selling? You know, um, I would say the food truck is one of the toughest routes. You know, you have two categories, the mobile vendor and brick and mortar restaurants. Um, the expense of working in a tent's a lot easier. The startup cost is a lot less. Yeah. Also, if you have the same food and one's in a food truck where nobody can see it being made, and one's in a tent where everybody can watch it being made, the person in a tent's gonna make ten times the amount of money. So I and for me, the food truck was a limitation. I would never have a food truck again. <laughs> I have no desire to ever have a food truck again. It was just really a limitation. So, so the next step is really would be to brick and mortar. Yep. But if you're just starting out, you know, you want to have, I, for me, I wanted to have an out, you know, plan B. Because, you know, I you don't, and, and that's something I need to get over. Because when you go to the brick and mortar, it, it's it's more it's a higher capital expense. For sure. And that can devastate you more personally yeah. if you do fail. So as a personal entrepreneur, I need to get over that fear factor a little bit of being able to put myself out there. Because, I mean, I know I, I have a proven concept, and I'm going to let it organically grow. But it's, it's, that's going to be my biggest challenge is to really be, okay, I know I can do this. I know I don't need plan B.
0: Awesome. I'm
1: curious what out of everything
0: you do, what's your favorite part of, of running the business? Cutting the pig. Cutting it?
1: Yeah, cutting the pig. <laughs> hey, out of everything I do, you know, I do a lot of work before the customers come. It's the middle of summer, it's 110 degrees. I'm roasting a pig outside. I'm sweating. Oh, wow. I, I go, I clean up before everybody comes, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> It's it's when when I'm in there and we have a line of people and I'm chopping the pig and the cutting board is going boom, boom. That moment is my happy spot and it makes all the tough work, all the long hours that I have put into it worth it for that 30 minutes right there. Yeah. It's nice that you have, like, a, that that that's guaranteed every
0: day. After all the hard work that you yeah. put in, you know that no matter what, you're always going to be able to have that at the yeah, end of the day great. and cut it.
2: And hopefully you get a little sneak of the t- thing, <laughs> I do. Taste I do because right? pe- people want to see
1: you taste it. I always give it a little taste. Right. You, you know, but when you put that pig, when I pick up that pig and, the, you know, the people like, ah, oh, great. You know, we cooked on Main Street a couple weeks ago. And there was people walking by, they just stopped, and everybody gathered around, and they came, and everybody ordered, you know. And, and everybody has a personal experience with the whole pig, whether they're from Idaho, from the Philippines, from Colombia, from Cuba. Not everybody has an experience with the whole pig, but many people of different cultures have a personal experience with roasted pigs. Mm-hmm. And this brings back the memories. You know, even though it's Filipino style, it, brings, it brought back my friend's memories of growing up on a pig farm in Mexico. Another girl from the commissary brought back memories of uh, she grew up in Colombia, you know, and, and it's all brings it back. That's really cool. Is there a special knife that you have to use to cut it? Yeah, I have to use a machete. And it's kind oh, of wow. funny. It has, or, no, sorry, it's not a machete. It's a cleaver, a cheap $20 cleaver. <laughs> I, I went out and bought a $170 cleaver and the $20 cleaver works better. Really? <laughs> yeah, so that's another point. Just get what works, man. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, Brian, you've shared so much awesome uh, advice and, and stories with us today. I'm curious if you had one more piece of advice to share with us that you haven't uh, touched on already before we close up, what would that be?
1: I would say listen to everybody. Take everybody's advice and take nobody's advice. So... Yeah. And what I mean by that is you want to take everybody's advice. You want to listen to everybody, but you don't want to take anybody's advice. You know, everybody's going to tell you how to run your business. But maybe there's a little piece of information you can learn from every single person and take that advice. And, and when people tell you you can't do something, just you can do it. You don't have to listen to them. No, yeah, I love that. I think there's a really good balance
0: between you know listening to people and taking you know bits and pieces from what everyone has to say, but not following every single person's advice on what they tell you to do and how they tell you to live your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I kind of learned that in the food truck. This guy's like, you gotta go cook here at this big stop. That's a lot of people, and and I went there and there was a lot of people, but it wasn't my crowd, and you know I lost money, and at that point I'm like, this guy doesn't know you know i mean he knew to be around the right to be around people but he doesn't know the demographic for sure awesome well uh we before we close up brian we have a
0: quick little game that we're gonna play with you yeah um so how it's gonna work is we've got a list of 20 questions that we're gonna ask and you've got a minute to answer as many of them as you can all right and so we'll see kind of how you square up against some other guests we've had on the show how many you can get just going to pull that up and let me know when you've got it. Cool. Do you want to start us off? Yep. And three, two, one.
2: Your dream vacation.
0: <laughs> Philippines. Uh, first thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars. A house in the Philippines. Favorite hobby. Cooking letch on. If there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Cooking letch on.
2: A <laughs> song you've been jamming to lately.
0: Uh, Bob Marley could it be love uh, if you live to be 100 would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self the mind
2: your favorite holiday
0: Christmas uh, favorite ice cream flavor vanilla
2: favorite fictional character
1: uh, I don't know favorite smell not let <laughs> 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 um, charcoal
2: what's your nickname
1: uh, I don't have one uh, pet peeve. People who shouldn't be in kitchens that are in kitchens.
2: Favorite restaurant?
1: Uh, Hushplebick House.
2: <laughs> well, uh,
0: not the record on answers, but maybe the record on most answers that are involving your business. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was uh, wondering on, on the favorite song question if you're going to come up with a song that had lechon in it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Would have got a special prize if I did all that. <laughs> hey, <Right? John>.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> awesome. Um, Brian, let our listeners know. I'm sure everyone's pretty hungry right now for a roasted pig. So let everyone know where they can connect with you, find out more about
1: you, um, maybe contact you if they want to yeah. like, To have you come by. The best way to really keep up to date is on Instagram, Phoenix Lechon Roasters, P H X Lechon, L E C H O N Roasters. Or you can go to our website, phxlechon.com. You can call me at six zero two four one zero eight one one five or Brian at PhoenixLechon dot com for the email. Sorry, Brian at PhoenixLechon dot com. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, got all the all the contact info. There, there you go. Sweet. Hey, well, thanks again, Brian. We definitely loved having you on and uh, learned a lot from, from you today. You left nice. me starving, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I smell
2: the pig. <laughs> awesome.
0: Absolutely.
1: Thanks, nice you, see. guys. Yeah, we'll catch you all next week.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing. It helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.